0: This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. (laughs) The High Regard Show. It's... You are wasting your time with this garbage! Now go to bed!
1: Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Nikki. And
0: this is the High Regard Show.
1: In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up
0: on the third floor.
1: Moving on up.
0: Oh, it don't get better than that.
1: No, sir, it doesn't.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the fifth rendition of this show for this week.
1: (laughs) Hello, hello, and we're still laughing, so that's a good sign. We haven't hung ourselves in the hallway.
0: But we might melt it to puddles, because it is
1: hot. We might. So this is our, like, last take, because I am at my wit's end with you right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's not going to get better as we go along. (laughs) So far in the other versions of this show, we have talked about the... uh, the Republican National Convention, we have talked about why Mayor Rudolph Giuliani was one of the worst mayors in New York that people forgot about.
1: It was the level of the Woody Allen rant last week. So you're welcome. Listeners, you owe me one. (laughs) Again.
0: Let's just say there is a lot of little nuggets that can get pulled out, like, somewhere down the road. Like, after we've done this show for a few years and we say, hey, here are the Lost Tapes, we have a lot of Lost We tapes. do, and we I lot. can't
1: wait for listeners to listen to Shark Show because that is my favorite one.
0: Shark Show is going to be held on to the very Oh, end. my God. Like, I'm going to have to be dead before Shark Show comes out. Never. So that no. I think so because Shark Show is, like, such a treasure.
1: It is national treasure.
0: I don't think that like, I can like be Nick alive Cage for Shark Show. Like, it's like a page
1: level <laughs> national treasure. <laughs> and, like, once in a while we'll be sitting here and, like, somehow it just starts to play through the computer and we'll just be like what is that noise and then like we'll we'll turn off the tv and like we'll just hear shark show playing somehow through the computer and it's just a
0: treat and sometimes it comes through the apple tv it's
1: the craziest thing
0: there'll be nights that we'll just have the tv on and all of a sudden this very i would say amongst before we even released a show.
1: Like, I think it was from our first, like, episode.
0: It was our first try. It could have been <laughs> one of our... It, it was one of the first episodes <laughs> that we did.
1: Like today, and still 40 weeks, 40-plus 40 weeks
0: later, we're still doing multiple takes. Yeah, but what all so we had back then was, we didn't even have... Like, we didn't write outlines back then. We were like, let's turn on the mics and talk about something. <laughs> and then it would be like, we would talk about things like Shark Show. And listening to it now, I was like... We were really fucked up when we did our first (laughs) recording. Like, like nobody should hear Shock Show. Like, we have to make sure that our parents are long buried before we ever play Shock Show.
1: God forbid. (laughs) God forbid. But I, I think feel like I have
0: it. to be way buried before we play I'm not going to be because
1: I'm going to just be like promoting the shit out of that with <laughs> shark emojis over whatever social media everybody's crazy about then. Maybe on our Pokemon Go like app that we'll create down the line.
0: <laughs> maybe when Sharknado 5 comes out to celebrate it, we'll release <gasps> oh Shark God. Show. And we'll be like, we did this years ago. <laughs> but then again, maybe not because Sharknado 5 might be coming out like in two months from now. Who knows how well, It seems works like every with general-
1: they're doing like a Sharknado. It's like the Saw of sci-fi.
0: It is the worst Saw. <laughs> it is. It is seriously like uh, ugh, so awful.
1: But they still keep getting like. Remember last year, like Anthony Weiner got eaten by a shark. Oh,
0: poor Anthony Weiner. Poor he did. Poor guy gets the worst of it all the time. He
1: really does. But he's a, he takes it all in stride, man. And that's all that you can hope to do. Now. Let's talk about taking something in stride. Oh,
0: thank God. Seriously, people, you have no idea how good we're doing. Three and a half minutes in, we're actually getting to the points that we have written down, as opposed to the last shows, where we were 20 minutes in, and Nikki's like, do we got to start over
1: again? We... We? We were 20 minutes in? (laughs) Clarify that statement or else you're getting an eye roll.
0: When I say we, I mean I would be talking about pertinent subjects (laughs) that I (laughs) find (laughs) important to the show and you would just like make faces at me and screw me up.
1: Because you would just keep going and going like the Energizer Tom.
0: And we did also discuss putting, you know, like, why is Robin Quivers in a box? Probably Probably because Howard Stern didn't want to see her rolling her eyes. So, I mean, we could build something like that.
1: We could just... We have a wire that's like 25 feet long. I could go in the bedroom. I'll be perfectly happy.
0: Yeah, but I'm going to have to yell back and forth to you to hear what you're saying.
1: We'll have a microphone. Like, the microphone can go in there. I don't need to be, like...
0: But it's not like I can hear you through the microphone. Oh, a microphone I see what doesn't you're have saying. an earpiece. I see what you're
1: saying. And this is why Nikki had a very brief stint in charge of the sound machine.
0: Not only a brief stint, like and and I keep saying I'm like, oh man, how do you still not know how a microphone works every week? And then you come up with a gem like this. I'll go in another room and talk in the microphone, and we can conduct an interview. I won't be able to hear you. What do you mean you won't be able to hear me? I have a microphone. This is like the boat story. Can we? Did we do the boat story on the air yet? What boat story? David Boat. Oh, uh, let's just talk really quick oh about David Bowie.
1: Why? No, no, no. To. Muggle mob, go. Talk about no. the muggle mob. No. No, because Listen, it's not funny. In. It's not funny to anyone but you, and you're going to get <laughs> so fired up, and we're going to get in another fight, and I can't handle it. We Please. We have to. Please,
0: we have to. Tom. Look, it's only five minutes in. I, I swear to God, if I'm not doing the story by seven minutes, wherever I'm at, you can cut it off. And we can end it. But this is funny to the world because this is how insane it is. <laughs> We're watching a TV show and I can't even remember what the TV show was. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what TV show was. It doesn't was. matter. Just it that... could be anything. It was late at night and then all of a sudden the credits are rolling. You
1: I like, would to, like to
0: read the credits.
1: I, I like to just like shout out funny names that I see. Right. But... But you read
0: all the... Like, if there's any words on anything, you, like, automatically go and you start to read I'm a reader,
1: okay? I'm a nerd.
0: So, all of a sudden, you read out this name, and you say, David Boat? Just, like, randomly. You didn't say, like, what he did, like, why you said the name. I'm just just going to say he's a key
1: grip, because I'm fascinated by the name.
0: He probably wasn't. But you were just looking at the screen, and you read the name out loud, David Boat. And I go, Who? And you go, David Boat. And I'm like, like Sailboat? And you say, no. Like David Boat. (laughs) And you could not understand what... I wasn't getting because I'm like going like, so well, you were I trying... don't know what that means like you were what trying is to find David a correlation
1: Boat? like between the name like you didn't know if I said his I, I ate the story I it's didn't so know... stupid I
0: ate it <laughs> I didn't know what the last name was so I'm like can you clarify sh- well that's what I should have said I should have said can you clarify what the person's last name was I didn't hear your annunciation. Of the word Yes, boat. if you
1: would have said that, then maybe we wouldn't be still talking about it two months later because you are still mad that I didn't understand it's what you were saying. It's not that I'm mad.
0: It's just that it's like, like all you have to do sometimes is just give a yes or no answer. David Boat, like sailboat? Yes. Not David Boat, like sailboat? No, like David Boat. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like spell it. And then you're like B-O-A-T. And I'm like, so like sailboat. Like David Boat, Tom. David Boat is the guy's name. You still don't get, like, why that, like, flipped We're me done. so much. We're done now. Seven minutes, 32 seconds. We went over. I owe you 32 seconds at the end of the show. So, on to Muggle Mob. Muggle Mob happened this week at Scholastic, my employer, which I am very proud to say that I was a part of.
1: Even though you don't know what the word muggle means. How do you know? Because in take two and three, (laughs) you said that you didn't know what a goddamn muggle was. Somebody
0: without magical powers, Nikki. Duh. Because
1: I looked it up for you because I didn't know what it is either, because I never read the books either. But well, you saw the
0: movies. But I saw the movies. With
1: the kids, I know.
0: I know. But nobody else knows, because they didn't hear the other well, four now shows they we recorded up to this point. do, because <laughs> I the So,
1: hashtag Muggle Mob, go.
0: Hashtag Muggle Mob. If you want to, like, put it out there, put it out there. Basically, what it was, was a flash mob in Soho, right in the middle of Broadway, 12 noon on July 21st. Which was Thursday. Which was Thursday. Where 300 employees grabbed... One of the previous seven Harry Potter books walked out onto the street reading a passage. And then on music cues, we would be facing east, which is away from the Scholastic Building. Mm -hmm. Then the 300 of us on a music cue would all turn at the same time facing the Scholastic Building. And then a few moments later on a music cue, we would pull out these paddles and hold them up in the air, which had the cover of book eight.
1: Book eight, what?
0: Which is really a script that's in For like, a play that's coming up, yeah. Right. So but it's a continuing story of the Harry Potter characters, twenty years in the future, where Harry is now raising his family. His own little nerds. And you know, this was the big promotion. And as we all turned and held these paddles up with the book covers on it, this huge banner falls from the top of our eleven story building all the way down to the first floor. It is a huge, huge banner.
1: Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Like it was really cool. Like I wasn't there, obviously, but I got to see like the aftermath, and it was really, really neat.
0: So here is this swelling of the music in the streets, and people reading in the streets, and all these. And people were there people around. like
1: just random people walking down the street? Because I mean, it is Soho, so it's like Always a huge crowded. shopping district. Yeah. Always so like, crowded. were people just like, "What's going on here?"
0: Yeah. Like we had the whole the whole premise was after the banner falls, we were to give out our books to people. Mm-hmm. So like you know like we would have all the hardcover books. Um, three hundred volunteers, so three hundred books, and then we would just walk up and hand our books to a stranger, just to try to get the promotion of the Harry Potter sure. series, like you know, jump started again for book number. Eight. Yeah, because
1: it's a very co- it's it's a very collective experience this Harry Potter because there's so many people like of all (laughs) like you know like ages and things that are like very into Harry Potter so it's like a very like unifying thing which is great and something that like we so need in this world right now.
0: Right and everybody loves magic except for you. I hate magic. So you know everybody but you would have enjoyed that event but the point is we gave out all 300 books.
1: And that's awesome.
0: Immediately like we the whole event was three minutes total, oh maybe God. two minutes and forty seconds of being in the street. I would say within a minute, all three hundred books were handed out.
1: That's awesome. That's so cool. Like so, as a lifelong reader, like that's just like
0: neat. And we have video that we will link to that was released to the general public <laughs> to and celebrate. the news outlets yeah. and stuff like that. And it was put together so well. And the guy and so who, fast and so fast. And the guy who ran the event. Was so, so into it. But like anything in life, there was a snag. A literal a snag.
1: <laughs> I was going to say a hiccup, but like, no, a snag. It was def- a snag. It a snag.
0: definitely <laughs> is the right word for it. Was it
1: was a snag of epic proportions, one might say.
0: And I seriously wouldn't even mention it if there weren't like a couple of hundred pictures of these things floating <laughs> around. And none of which I posted because I only posted the good pictures.
1: No, yeah, you're a very nice man.
0: And a loyal employee. Looking to make my way in the company, but, <laughs> but but you know, while the music was going and they were about to like drop this banner, which should have taken anywhere from five to seven seconds, we were told there was two guys with ropes on either side of the building lowering this thing, and the guy dead in front of me, like almost as close as I am to you, let go of his band, let go of his rope, and the banner f- tilted sideways and got jammed up, and they couldn't lower it. So after all of this work and stuff like that, it took one guy who couldn't hold a rope to turn this thing basically upside down
1: i would be very nervous if i was that like i would have been like this is too big of a job like this is too important of a job to put in my to hand. hold a rope to hold a rope because you don't dick around with the blinds like i do every day like we've been living in this apartment for four years and i still struggle with those blinds look at the one above the air conditioner it's crooked because i can't fucking i can't i can't master it
0: yeah but you don't let go of it like halfway you don't like hold both ropes in Maybe your hands was, oh.
1: was he getting rope burn was his hand were his hand smoking well,
0: I didn't see the other guy getting rope burned. I didn't see him have a problem. I only saw the one guy drop the rope.
1: All right, then.
0: It's ridiculous that that had to happen. But Always just like all things, they wound up clearing the streets after three minutes. The banner stayed there crooked for a little while. They went up with a crane. They lowered it. <laughs> the news was able to take pictures that they wanted to and whatnot. And then they raised the banner back up, and they, like, dropped it the way it was supposed to edited it into the videos that the na- the world sees today, and it looks seamless. It looks perfect.
1: It, uh, yeah, it was.
0: And seriously, but. for the amount of work that put in, I-, I feel so horrible that it only took one guy to screw up the banner. That fucking guy. This guy. And you know, you know, he's just sitting on the back of the truck. He's, he's like drinking his coffee after this thing. The banner's sitting crooked, and mm-hmm. this guy's just drinking his coffee, and it's like... <laughs> It must be nice. It must be nice to have one job. And when it's done, whether it's screwed up or not, you can just kick back and have yourself a beverage. Like, seriously. <laughs> well, he
1: worked hard, Tom. He worked hard. And and if you look close enough in the video that we're going to link to, you can see the high regard Show's very own Tom Rorty working hard at the event. The muggle that he is.
0: Yeah, I feel like we should have a contest because I was in the video a lot. You were in
1: the video a lot.
0: And if you can count all the times that you <laughs> see me in the video and email it to me, maybe we'll send you a High Regard Show prize.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> count how many times you see Tom Rorty in the Scholastic video that we link in this week's show description and email us at highregardshow at gmail.com and we'll send you a High Regard Show prize prize
0: oh yeah all right that's a good deal that's what it is and i will tell you that the number one hint will be more than two (laughs) higher than two
1: higher than two
0: it's a lot all right so anyway let's get on to a you heard because we have some guests this week we do have some
1: guests this week
0: oh man all right well play that heard music
1: This week's You Heard comes to us outside of 40 Wall Street on on Pine Street down in the financial district where I used to work and this kind of ties into what this week's show is about because I was watching someone who seemingly was doing nothing because I had been standing outside talking on the phone to my mom, as I always did in my lunch. And I saw this guy who was just standing there.
0: Was he supposed to be holding a rope? I don't think so. All right. (laughs) 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 Because
1: if he was, maybe something bad, maybe something even worse would have happened to him. This guy yeah. I'm standing there, and I'm just, like, talking to my mom, and I look up, and this guy, just two cops come up to this gentleman who was black and just arrested him now i don't know if there was something before i got to see but i was standing out there for a couple minutes talking and he's just like and he kept saying to the guys like the police officers like i didn't do anything i didn't do anything and he said well and then like you could just see him like give up in defeat as like they're leading him away and his you know his hand are handcuffed behind his back and he just said well you're just gonna tag me any fucking way (laughs) and that's this week's you heard
0: isn't it funny how whenever somebody does and i'm not saying that the guy did something wrong but when people walk up to you and they even if you've done nothing and somebody has an accusatory look on their face your immediate reaction is i didn't do anything and then you might say, "So you didn't do this," and it's like going, "Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't do that." <laughs> <laughs> but we all do it, though.
1: Yeah, like we all get defensive because, like, you never like, yeah, we don't like ac- being accused of things and whatnot.
0: Yeah, but it ties into this week's show because of what our new what outlook on racial tensions.
1: Well, it's not even just a new outlook. It's just that racial tensions are just like at a, I would say at an all time high. Like there, I, th- I think now we're at like a boiling point that I don't even think our parents who lived through the 60s have seen.
0: Well, I think that's what makes it new. And, and we talked about it at work a few times because, you know, one of the things lately is <laughs> these conversations are just popping up, which never used to happen before. Where people will come into work after seeing the news, they'll get so riled up about, like, these things, as they should, because there is a lot of horrific things that are happening, and they'll just start, you know, conversing about them mm-hmm. openly, whether it's positive or negative. The fact of the matter is, people are talking, and that's what's new about it, because in the past, nobody would ever talk about right, stuff that sure. had to do with race. sure, So. I mean, we're in uncharted territories as far as, you know, what's going to happen going forward. But although it seems bad because it seems like stuff is getting to a boiling point and things are like finding their way to the surface that we never seen mm-hmm. on the surface before. Mm-hmm. At least we are talking about these things. And such is the case with this week's interview with... Christian Finnegan
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Sherrod Small.
1: Right, um, they're the hosts of A and E's first ever original comedy series, Black and White, which premieres on July 27th at 10:30 p.m.
0: Yeah, and what do they talk about, Nikki?
1: They talk about race. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because, I mean, like these two, and like you could, you know, we're gonna link to everything, but A and E has been running promos of these two guys just talking about, and you know. Christian is white, Sherrod is black, and it's just these two guys talking about race and you know the things that they experience, and just it's it's really funny. And the tagline, like the picture, um, like the advertisement for that for the show it says, "Racism is over," and there's an asterisk, and then when you look down at the bottom, it says, "Offer not valid in all fifty states." <laughs> <laughs> but the show is going to be um, a mix of you know sketches parodies, um, and social experiments. It's going to be a conversation. They're going to have commentators, like like, you know, political people. They're going to have comedians. So it's going to be just, like, this just half an hour where, like, they're addressing something in a humorous way, but also in a serious way because, you know, they're going to have, like, all these other people on it. And, you know, you might recognize these two guys because they were both on VH1's Best Week Ever. You know, they were longtime, you know, cast members of Best Week Ever. And, of course... We we personally know Christian from the Chappelle Show as the only white roommate on, <laughs> on the Mad Real World, <laughs> which is still funny, you know, thirteen friggin' years later. So, oh my God. so I think we should maybe like just find out what the guys have to say about the show that's going to air this week.
0: All right, let's roll that bean footage. <laughs>
2: Hi,
3: Nikki. Hi, guys. How are you? We
2: We're doing? wonderful. Thanks for having us.
3: Well, super. Thanks for talking to the High Regards show. We really appreciate it.
2: Nice. Where are you calling from? Like, where are
4: you?
3: I am in Harlem right this very second.
4: Okay, nice. Up there gentrifying, huh, Nikki? <laughs> I sure am. I sure am. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, I'll yeah, see okay. you at the
4: Magic Johnson uh, movie theater later tonight.
3: I'll- <laughs> you know, I have been there once. I've been there once, actually.
2: <laughs> She's I- <laughs> watching me up there selling Jamaican meat pies. Once <laughs> <laughs> enough.
3: That's what I think you just said. <laughs> it's a very nice I've been there once. Is. I survived. So why? <laughs> I saw Selma the- there. <laughs> felt
2: like it was a good thing to do.
3: No, it was actually the Man with the Iron Fist. So. Oh, <laughs> you take all right. That, that was a while ago, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> 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 but enough about me, guys. Enough about me. <laughs> yes. So, Black and White is A&E's first ever comedy series. There's no pressure there, right?
2: Uh, yeah.
4: Well, it's
3: funny
2: because... <laughs> There really isn't any pressure (laughs) because they've never done comedy before. We get to kind of tell them, no, trust us, this is funny. Yeah, they don't really know.
4: So they have to listen to us a lot, which is like, you know, surprising to a new TV show to have the network
2: like, oh, what do you guys think?
3: (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're trying to work it to our advantage for sure.
3: And, you know, obviously the show is coming along at a very, oh, I don't know, how do we say tumultuous time in America. How did it yeah. come about, and how long was this show in the works?
4: Well, I, you know, we spoke about doing a show like this probably a decade ago when we were doing, yeah. uh, just still doing
2: Best Week Ever stuff.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, we we were both on the in the original cast of Best Week Ever and VH1, mm-hmm. and uh, every once in a while, VH1 would send a few of us out to do, like, Good Morning America or do college shows. Yeah, and uh, and Sharad and I, you know, we were personality-wise, we couldn't be more different. But we've always kind of just had a sort of a, a bit ability to riff. And Sharad, you know, would send me these middle-of-the-night texts like, "Hey, we need our own show," and I'd be like, "All right, what's the show?" And he'd be like, "I don't know." <laughs> 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 yeah, use your white powers and put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, and then and then a few years later, we were both on the the sitcom "Are We There Yet?" Yeah. and there's a lot of downtime on a sitcom, and so you end up just, you know, busting balls and joking around. And I feel like that, for me, that was where I kind of started to feel like, all right, we kind of like have a thing. Yeah. You know, and so then a few years later, we just kind of said, like, let's try this. And it all, you know, at the time, it was going to be a little bit more of a lighthearted kind of show, and then the <laughs> right. world kind of made the show a little more serious but that's fine i, mean, I kind of you know all shows evolve, and you know I'm, I'm really proud of what we've come up with so far
4: yeah definitely when your comedy is so close to the truth you you know sometimes you'll find yourself in the mix mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah you'll know, <laughs> so be talking about things that's going on right then even though you are referring to things that might have happened a year ago, or months ago right. a month ago it's a reoccurring thing so you can never escape it when you're dealing with this subject matter
3: Right, of course, and it seems like as soon as something happens, something else happens right after it, and it's just yeah. that snowball effect. So is the show going to be tape- taped, or is it going to be taped, like, live? You know, is it going to be talking about things that are going on, like, that current week?
2: No, it's. Uh, we've actually uh, – we're our, we're shooting our last episode on Tuesday, so we've already shot seven of them. Okay. Right? And um, we're – so they're not – going to be sort of day and date as they say, mm-hmm. like, this is what happened this week. It's going to be more kind of topics and stories that are relevant right? More and, than but, but not like necessarily ripped from the headlines.
3: Right. Okay. And, you know, you guys are no strangers to the talk show circuit, you know, so what can fans expect each week with you guys now behind the desk, so to speak?
4: Well, we'll do more dancing than Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> And we don't know if that that's like Oprah, but it's not going to be free things like the extravagant GFC stuff.
2: We'll get be like <laughs> beef
4: patties and balloons. <laughs>
2: we'll have a piñata and we'll take audience members <laughs> spin them around a few times.
4: Nice. Uh, and you're going to cover everybody
3: then. Good. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. that's
2: very important. Now our
4: show is going to be real conversational. We just want to, you know, keep the conversation going. We usually mean talk about race. People clam up. Right. So we're gonna to try to keep the conversation going, started from the part where people usually clam up, and just try to be human beings to each other. Yeah. Right. I mean, it,
2: it's gonna be a little more structured than you know a traditional just talk show. Like right. not just conversation. There there are some written elements and some short film sketches and man on the street type stuff, but not as structured as something like The Daily Show or SNL. Like we're not pretending to be newsmen or anything like that. Right. It? Exactly. It's somewhere in the middle there.
3: And, you know, is the way that, like, you prepared for the show as a host, did that differ from, like, how you prepped to be in a guest chair? Like, did you approach that differently? Well, yeah, I think it's
2: a little I – mean, I mean, just quickly, it's, it's a little different, you know, for us because we're we're going out there, it's kind of like doubles tennis in a way, you know, that we're not – neither of us is sort of in charge. We're kind of trying to do mm-hmm. it together. And For me, a lot of the this, the goal is to try to – capture the rhythm and the casual aspect of when we're just sitting around the table joking around.
4: Right. Uh, Doubles tennis, but I'm Serena and he's Venus.
2: <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's, he's that's older
4: not and not as good as me.
2: <laughs> but the original one, as you
4: know, <laughs> you'll be forgotten in the history books.
3: Oh my. <laughs> oh, poor Venus.
2: <laughs>
3: like she won that double tournament. Come on, she was there too. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it takes the village, you're right.
3: <laughs> and you know, speaking of the guest chair, is there can you give us any hints on who viewers can expect to see over the course of Black and White's eight episodes? Well, well
2: I believe we can.
3: the
4: oh. uh, I mean, episode we did get uh, Jim Gaffigan and Charlemagne. I don't know it's if you a, know who Charlemagne a, the God is. Yeah, Charlemagne the God who's uh, you
2: know
4: radio I personality, T V personality.
2: See, this is this is why this show exists, is because we feel like people who know who Jim Gaffigan is probably don't know who Charlemagne <laughs> the God is and probably they should, and people yeah. who listen to Charlemagne every day could could stand to know who Jim is.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. So we bring in <laughs> worlds together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. bring in blacks and whites together with a sprinkle of Asian. Maybe you guys
3: should run, you know. You guys should run on the ticket of some party for November. Uh, No, (laughs) politics.
2: On the the clusterfuck ticket. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) (laughs) We also, in addition to sort of our quote-unquote main guests, we also have a little segment in each show called Third Party, which is where we bring on uh someone who's neither black nor white you know uh, yeah. either a latina <laughs> or a, a muslim you know just to, to get their perspective because every episode has sort of a a very loose theme um okay. like one episode we talk a lot about cultural appropriation another episode we talk a lot about profiling another episode we talk about the drug war and so yeah and so we 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 bring in guests, you know, who are not black or white to kind of give us their actual perspective on, on the issue as well.
4: And, plus, you'll see a lot of comedians, like comedian friends of ours. Yeah. And uh, you'll see some, uh, you know, pl- political and pundit friends of ours or of associates. Oh, yeah. Wow. From, you know, Charlemagne the God to Ann Coulter coming on, <laughs> who's already been on.
3: <laughs> well. So that's a, that's a mix. That is a That <laughs> is a mix. A so cultural melting pot. It's like
4: the, <laughs> like the castle of Sharknado. It's like blindfolded <laughs> <going> to
3: <it. laughs> I so wonder who it will get work. eaten <laughs> Who's going to get eaten first? <laughs> get eaten? Yeah. Nobody
4: makes it out alive.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Good. And, you know, of course, you know, we mentioned politics, and with the Republican National Convention behind us, thankfully, and the Democratic Convention ahead of us. What's your take on how Clinton and Trump are handling the current race in America crisis?
2: Ugh. Well, I mean, <laughs> Trump is clearly handling it.
3: <laughs> I agree.
2: See, <laughs> see I, I find that they need to that
3: to go I like that. Oh dangerous.
2: shit! No, I don't like that at all.
3: <laughs> What'd you say?
2: They need a taste
4: of it just to go like, mm, yeah, I don't
2: like hot sauce.
3: <laughs> that's the problem.
2: Is that you know, it's four years, <laughs> and yeah. that's not.
4: It's four years of tasting.
2: And it, to me, it's not even Trump. It's the people who feel emboldened by Trump. Like it's all right. the people who used to think that they were kind of on the fringe and now are like, oh, the water's warm. I guess I yeah, can bring I out could. my KKK outfit.
4: Blowing <laughs> <laughs> the dust off the hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm I got with the Trump family, too. Uh, a part of, I mean, that uh, one incident that happened at the Comedy Cellar uh, a few years back where uh, Donald Trump Jr. got hit with a beer mug. I was there during that, but he took him out on a stretcher.
3: Oh, my gosh.
4: Yeah, I Look was there. At I, was I jumped on stage and told him to tell his father that I helped him so I can get a free apartment.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then I did a skit, actually, with Melania. And Donald on uh Good Morning America, or like maybe two summers ago, when me and Melania were guests on together, and then Trump called in and fired me on the air.
3: Just to give you an <laughs> idea of how far <laughs> Trump has come. <Christian>. <laughs> <laughs> so I got some
2: history. I got some history here. With
3: me. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. <laughs> I think we're all going to have uh, and, history
2: and, and, too. <laughs> and Hillary and I have made out a couple times. So. <laughs> That's right. <I> think we're, <laughs> Christian's a bottle. A uh, power bottle. <laughs> He's a cuckold. Are you are you Hillary. applying that, that that Hillary is a top? Is that, is that how that goes? <laughs> yes. well, yeah. I am. Probably. <laughs>
4: She's gonna look deeper into the eyes and take all the soul in it.
3: <laughs> well, this seems like a perfect time to say. <laughs> you, you I knew right away. Christian
4: he is a little more guarded. I knew right away that dummy couldn't uh, he couldn't get away from me. Because we had good vibe. We had always had good rapport, even when we did the, the Today Show for Best Week Ever every Friday. We used to do every Friday on the Today Show. We had good rapport. And uh, I told Christian a long time ago, uh, he can his career be nothing without black people.
3: <laughs> that so is so true. So
4: there yet with all black cast and Christians.
2: <laughs> yeah. The Show, yeah. When we
4: take the subway together, black old black women like this, I love you. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's true.
2: It's very weird. I've been spending my entire life trying to appeal to nerdy hipster white people and gotten <laughs> nowhere. And yet I am the belle of the ball when I go above 125th Street.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they yell at Chappelle's Show, Tom. They love him.
2: Yep.
3: Well, it's good. My to friend told me. He said you
2: are African America's favorite white guy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: It was Joe Biden for a while, but now it's Christian. Yay. <laughs>
3: Look at you! Look at you! No, but you're right,
2: though. I mean, but Sherrod's right that you know, I he was the one who was like, "Dude, we got to do something together." And I, I am kind of guarded, you know, and and I always kind of assume that, you know, oh my God, you want to work with me? Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> and it it kind of took a while for me to sort of see it, you know, in that you know, sometimes you know, it's become very fluid us being able to chat and stuff, but we're very different personality-wise. And it took me a while to understand that that's like a strength of our, not a weakness. Like that we are. Ying and yang, baby. Yeah. Ying and yang. We always say, we always, you know, Sherrod always says, like, we got a Voltron this shit. You know, because <laughs> the stuff that I suck at, he's great at. And yeah. the stuff that he, well, I don't know if he sucks at it, but he won't do it. I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Scarfskin Hutch. i on, Lacey. <laughs> We're like we're like the three kids on each other's shoulders, wearing a big trench coat to look like an adult. There's, yeah. there's Like two of us in there. <laughs> One ticket, please. <laughs> any other Thirteen movie, anything <laughs> out?
4: You guys have wine?
2: <laughs> this, this sounds like something like adults would drink. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Give me two jugs of wine.
3: Oh my god! So. <laughs> <laughs> no here's a hard-hitting question. What would you say is the most stereotypical thing about the other?
4: About?
2: Stereotypical shit? thing?
4: Yes. Oh, uh, that's good. That's a good one. Most I know he's always going to say about me, big black <laughs> But what will I say about him?
2: <laughs> so they said true thing. True thing.
4: Got fired, huh? A rude,
3: truth. truth. <laughs>
4: typical, I don't know. What it would that Dude, he, uh, He's really organized. I don't know. I'm not really
2: organized. You don't know me at all. You just you're just positing white personality traits yeah, me. I don't you know, never, know me. That he loves biting and picking on his fingertips. That's true.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I do I do like stress chew up my hands. Which is I don't I've never seen a black guy doing that. They have no, a no, spackle
4: I've... on it. Tell them about the spackle the makeup people got to put on it. Yeah,
2: like yeah. I make makeup people like put makeup on my fingers because I, <laughs> they're always, like, bleeding and stuff. <laughs>
3: He's a nervous practice <laughs> this
2: kid. Oh, yeah. I've yeah, never sure. seen uh,
3: anyone do that in Harlem, so, yeah. that.
2: <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> and, and,
2: Sherrod, and Sherrod, like, you know, he he is often – I wouldn't even say that Sherrod's late. He just shows up when he shows up, and it's it's kind of like – He just sort of strolls in, and what I admire about it, what I hate about it, but I also admire about it, is that it's never, like, I'm sometimes late, but I I show up, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And Shiraz just gets there. He's like, what's up? And we're like, well, I thought you were going to be here three hours ago, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) how far do I
4: get there? I actually have to learn that from a friend of mine. My friend Garth, who just used to be late as hell and never had any rush in him. I was like, You learned it well. i got to learn some of that.
3: (laughs) 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 You appropriated that from Garth, I guess. (laughs) I did. I really did. Never have been (laughs) rushy. And my final two questions. Sherrod, describe the show for white viewers in five words or less.
4: Of uh, funny, uh, Educational, uh, inspiring, uh, must see.
3: <laughs> well done. Perfect. And Christian, huh? now you go for black. Uh, to people, to white
2: people for or to black people, people.
3: for, for uh-huh. black viewers, please. In five words, um,
2: what you were worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god!
3: <laughs> I think that is that sums it all up. I guess. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not even sure what
2: it means. It just came. This <laughs> is great. I know.
3: <laughs> That's the new tagline. That's the tagline for season two. What you were about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. The guys, end of all talking. things. <laughs> So so much for talking to the Higher Guard show. We really really appreciate it, and we cannot wait Thanks to watch for the me. show. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank bye you. bye Take guys. Care. Take bye. A
2: day.
0: And we're back.
1: Hello hello. I swear I don't think I have laughed that hard like I was crying at the end of that interview and like I don't think I've ever done an interview where I like laughed that much
0: and you see and this is where I feel like I get the short end of the stick when it comes to the show, <laughs> because you get to like talk to like these awesome people and stuff like that.
1: It just works out that way with I my schedule, know though. It you does. Know?
0: And then I'm like going, oh, and what do I get to? I get to edit it, and I get to hear people just laughing and cornholing.
1: And <laughs> You're a Buster. You're Buster. <laughs> I really
0: week. am the Buster Blues of this show right now, is what it comes out to.
4: It's awful being the Buster blue of the sorry. show.
0: Well, all I'm hoping for is a bird flies in the window so it, it can... walks on the pillow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the guys are great. Oh I can't wait goodness. to see the show. And and here's the good thing about this show. And and this is what I'm looking forward to most is the fact that it's a show that is representation representative of both black and white, as opposed to so many of the shows now, which is either skewed black or white.
1: Right. Like you just, you see a panel of just, you know, one race or the other. And it's like, that's not like we've got to do this together. Like the way that we're going to get past this is if we all are in, because we're all in this together. We're all in this together. So we need to just have these conversations with each other.
0: Well, that's it. But it's, It's still, I mean, to a point, it's a scary thought to have these conversations, no matter who you are, because it doesn't matter what race you're in. You all grew up with a racist grandparent. Sorry, it's just it's just the way it is. Yeah,
1: many many people probably did, Tom. And
0: it's because we were all, you know, segregated in small neighborhoods. And I and I say we all. I say we all as you know as you know race. You know this is pretty much the way it was, like there were black neighborhoods, there were white neighborhoods, asian neighborhoods, you know mexican neighborhoods and and so on and now we're in a world where that is starting to dissolve more and more, and of course there's gonna be pushback because it's mm-hmm. kind of like you know we come in here we talk about like the the blazing mexican music we listen to every single weekend which is the reason why we record our shows early on (laughs) a saturday now instead of late on a friday because otherwise we would have a soundtrack for the whole show
1: and it's free we'd be a free soundtrack so i mean maybe i should
0: well well i don't mind looking for my own music thank you very much (laughs) but you know we, You know, you come into a neighborhood and it's kind of like already established and stuff like that. And then over time, things change. Things just change. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for the worse or the better. I know, because I love
1: the first thing evolves. that Sherrod said was like, oh, like, you know, the gentrifier. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But seriously, no one, It it doesn't, the cultural aspect of it. Is where it gets kind of sticky because, like I said, there are nights where we want to stick our head out the window and just be like, "Turn the goddamn music off! It's enough already." But people have been doing this forever, and we kind of got to just suck it up and be like, "Going, this is what it is because this is what it is," you know. I don't agree with that. I know you don't agree with that because it's
1: just—it's not like I don't—I don't look at it as like a race thing. I don't look at it as like whatever. It's just a decency thing.
0: But this is the way it's always been.
1: I know, I know, I know.
0: And so we can't expect it to change. If it does, that's great. But it's not like, it's not like tonight. I'm not gonna like go to bed and not expect to hear right some kind of like dance beat, right? <laughs> so you know, <laughs> one of the things that I liked so much was when Sherrod was talking and he had said that you know now here we have. You know in this current time of the elections especially where people are listening to like the trump speeches and feeling it's okay to just break the kkk uniforms out of the closet (laughs) and dust them off you know for you know public consumption now basically and it's kind of like it really is and again it seems so drastic that people are doing these kind of things but you can't you can't educate somebody who you don't know needs to be educated. Like now you're starting to see like these people come to the forefront and you can look at them and be like going, you're the group that needs to be educated. <laughs> like on what's wrong well, with yeah, what's happening yeah. in this country.
1: When, when they were saying that like it's the Trump supporters that are like the scary people because they're just so rabid and hateful.
0: Right, and not Not, so much... Not
1: hateful, not not hateful, full of hate. Like, they're hateful because because they are full of hate.
0: Yeah, but what's so weird is that, like, he didn't denounce Trump for having that hate. And you got to think of it, man. This guy is basically another actor. He's been on reality TV for so long, and as we all know, reality TV is so staged. Mm -hmm. You know, behind the scenes, like there is a lot of stuff that will be like, you know, you should maybe do this instead of doing this, and then you come off completely different than what you originally started off as. And I'm not saying Trump is a good person. I still think Trump's a dirtbag. But the fact of the matter is, is that at the end of the day, He's like an entertainer running for the ability to be in charge of this country. Right. And people are like listening to these things that he's saying and their own ignorance is mm-hmm. coming
1: Absolutely. Out. Absolutely.
0: And it's, and you know, in the beginning I thought this is the worst possible scenario in the world that these people are being, you know, so outspoken. But now you can look at these people and say there is a lot of people who are not educated in the ways of the world that need to be
1: right absolutely we
0: could see our educational system failing basically because of this because we don't understand culture and we don't understand like what other people do do
1: the do people want to like there's just you know like just thinking back to like time in pennsylvania like people don't want to know what's going on outside of their own four walls like they don't care because that doesn't affect me so i'm just gonna keep hating people and i'm just gonna because it's not affecting me here
0: yeah and why would it especially you know like in places that yet to be genderfied because (laughs) those people you know they're protected behind like either white walls or black walls or Asian walls, whatever, you know, your neighborhood is, you could say whatever you want and get away with it because you're not going to be held accountable until you come to a place where it's more of a mixing pot, such as the city. So the other thing that I found to be very interesting was when he was saying that he had done skits with Donald Trump. (laughs) So, I mean... Trump knows he's a comedian. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he knows he's an actor because he was getting involved in doing these things forever at this point in times, And he knows how to push the buttons of people.
1: He sure does. He sure does.
0: But how is it, like, so many people can go from, you know, like, I feel like the biggest known president in, like, my lifetime will be Ronald Reagan. You still... At the Republican National Convention, oh if you God. start bombing in your speech, all you have to do is it's say,
3: "Ronald
1: Reagan and
0: my old boss, Ronald Reagan."
1: Well, you know, there should there's definitely a drinking game like that should have been held during the RNC, where like any drink anytime you hear somebody mention Ronald Reagan or guns, yeah,
0: or guns. <laughs> <laughs> between those two things. You would make it to the first commercial break without having to puke. You'd
1: be dead. <laughs> Your liver would be like, I'm out.
0: <laughs> Alcohol po- poisoning has spiked across the country <laughs> in the first 30 seconds of the presidential debates coming up. But, you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, Reagan was an actor, and I think people loved him more because they were like, we grew up with him,
1: mm-hmm, sure. and now
0: he's our president, and now he's leading us. But in
1: between that, he w- he did become a politician before that. I like, met him. You met Ronald Reagan.
0: I met Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. What? When? At fundraisers my uncle actually put on. Um, it was a picnic.
1: You met Ronald Reagan. How have I have been Jimmy with you Carter. for six and a half years, and you have never once told me that you met Ronald Reagan? It
0: was like all of like seconds. Like he walked by, he came in to this picnic thing. He gave a quick speech and then he left.
1: Where was it? Here in the city? No, it was
0: in Long Island. It was in Long Island out on like the East End. And my uncle Jimmy was very into politics. And um, he was an advertising man by trade. Um, He raised a lot, a lot of money for his agency. The agency used to like, um, I guess, support the... Republican Party mm-hmm. and were big donors and when he had this party he was like do you want to go to it and my family actually went to this picnic because we were close to them and we got to actually meet both Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter That's on two crazy. separate occasions second still like it, he like literally just like walked up and shake your hand and Move along. And I remember I was like young. I was a kid when it happened. It was before he was president, so I was like young, young.
1: So he was he like governor at that point?
0: Yeah. Okay. So and he was like working his way up. And I and yeah. I think it was for like even like a governor re election mm. more than it was for the presidency. That's been,
1: I've never met like I can't I'm trying to think of like I know that like my parents got a letter from George W. Bush, but that's nothing that like I don't <laughs> think I want to talk about. And I know that
0: it was it a cease to desist <laughs> letter like <laughs> I got this one. I know what to do. Stop writing letters. <laughs> Stop
1: stalking me, Chris.
0: <laughs> I think I know how to run a country better than you. I'm the president. You can cut it out with the letters now. And it
1: was written in like crayon. <laughs> and then um, I don't know like if we have that's like a really Whenever I like I was very young during, you know, Reagan's administration. I was really really young. Like the first election that I remember being very important to me like not only important because it was like I knew what it was because we were learning it when I was in high school was like you know the 92 election when Clinton won because they were like we were like this is the first election of like your lifetime where you're old enough to know what's going on so like we learned all about that but whenever I think of like Ronald Reagan and I hate to admit this I think of the land of confusion that Genesis song. Wasn't a Genesis? Oh, and yeah. And I hated that video. I hate that song. I hate Genesis. I hate it. But, like, whenever somebody met... Like, every single time the Republicans mentioned that. Like, That's imagine imagine if there was, like, an algorithm, like, in my brain. like,
0: <laughs> I do imagine there's an algorithm in your brain, and it's a scary one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, Ronald, Ronald Reagan as a puppet, like, <laughs> is very high on the algorithm scale right now. <laughs>
0: But he, yeah, he's this guy. Like he is the savior of the of any Republican speech that can be said.
1: Was he like the last respectable Republican president? Was he respectable? I don't know. Like I don't know anything about him as a president. Like is uh, that why they keep bringing it up? It's like, well, if we keep bringing up Reagan, we're going to forget the Bushes.
0: I would say, well, I mean, you know, George Sr. was I feel like as good as Reagan was until he made the mistake of war. Of Yeah, up until that point, like, I feel like he was hanging in there for the most part. But it's weird. Like, you know, I was trying to explain this to Tyler. And and, and for years, Tyler and I have talked about, like, the difference between Republicans and Democrats. (laughs) And it's like, the Democrats, they're the hippies, man. Right? So, like, when you're young, I feel like you're automatically a Democrat, which is why Alex P. Keaton was like so special when because he was
1: an anomaly, yeah. right?
0: Because here he was like this young kid dressing up like in a suit and tie and going to school every single day, you know, and most kids don't do that. They wear jeans, they wear t-shirts, they want to like, you know, mm-hmm. go to art class and gym and stuff. And that's what the Democrats are about. Whereas the Republicans are about like, now you're an adult, now you want a savings account so you're going to want to keep your own money so you're not going to want to be taxed so we can get rid of all of these stupid things for kids because you're not a kid anymore so we don't need art programs and gym programs Mm -hmm. but we're going to want something to protect that money with so why don't we like get you guys some guns (laughs) get some tanks get a couple of planes maybe bombs you know now we got drones but you know like that's really what it comes down to so as you become an adult a lot of people turn into Republicans, and I feel like
1: honestly, and that's like the, that's the honest to God truth. Because when I think of Republican, I think of my parents. Well, they're poster it. children for the Republican Party, and the ironic thing is, is my mom was, oh, uh, like she, I, 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 like I don't even know. She was just like because I always call my parents like gun-toting Republicans and like I can't think of anything of like my mom was a blank Democrat but for most of her life until she married my stepfather she was a Democrat she ran as a mayor for a Democrat you know and
0: and I would have never have guessed that no nobody I know how later on in life yeah
1: of course and like even Tyler and I were talking about this and I'm like you know I'm like my mom was a Democrat but when she was young and Tyler was like what what are you talking
0: about what but I think everybody's a Democrat when they're young because you want you want these programs to work. You want to like have better things for, you know, people who don't have the same privileges you sure. have, you know, and you, you're you like going, yeah, it makes sense that everybody's equal. And then I think like you get to a point where it's like you get to an age where maybe you're getting close to retirement or you got to start thinking about retirement. And you're like.
1: Or you have a family and you're like, I'm making things for myself. Like, I made this right. life for myself and I'm going to take, like, and you could understand both sides like that, kind of.
0: Right. But <laughs> the side that gets screwed the most, usually, is not the white side. No. And, and that is where so much of this turmoil comes from.
1: Right. Because it's like, you look at what's going on today and you look at what the black community is going through and it's like, is it any different? Than in 1965.
0: No, it's not. I feel like the only difference is, is that there is more ways to stream information to the masses. That is the only difference.
1: Which you would think, like, if you knew that the first thing somebody's going to do is pull out a phone and record any type of anything, don't you think that that would change? Like, wouldn't that make you just think a second?
0: Like... But we're creatures of habit.
1: I know. Like and it's like, just
0: the way things always have been. So and just, we have yeah. to force change. Change don't just happen.
1: And just like look at just thinking about like the story that broke this week of the caretaker in Florida, like in North Miami, who had a patient who was autistic, like an older autistic man. He wandered out of his home. Like, you know, he was in, like, a a care home. He wandered out of his home. He had a a toy truck that he was playing with. And he sat in the middle of the street. It became, like, somebody called and was like, oh, there's, like, something suspicious going on or whatever. And the caretaker came out to, like, get his patient. And the cops came guns got drawn because well they
0: were told that somebody has a gun it looks like a gun yeah and the guy or whatever and
1: you know they didn't know what was going on because it's this guy sitting in the the street playing with this thing that they couldn't determine and the caretaker who was black immediately lay down on the ground put his hands up and he was like he has autism I am his therapist it is a truck it is a toy truck it is a toy truck and the guy got (laughs) shot in the leg three fucking times
0: and then he goes why did you shoot me
1: And the cop says, "I don't know what, like, honestly,
0: like." (laughs) But this is the but this is the way we were at. But here's the thing, though. You see, everybody is up in arms about it, as they should be, because it's ridiculous that that could even be an answer coming from somebody who owns a gun. Not
2: only I don't know
0: why I shot you. I just did.
1: He's like. But I have, it's, I'm his therapist. I'm his therapist. It's a toy gun. And the kid, not the kid, He's. A, he was a man, but he was just sitting there like the whole time. Oh, yeah, he's he didn't know what was going on. He's just playing with this truck and just like playing with his truck. And it's like,
0: what the fuck what is wrong with this? But here's the thing, though. Because of the age that we live in, we finally can start to have conversations about this stuff where we never would have. The problem is, is that... Everybody is so quick to jump to like
1: their own agenda conclusion.
0: Yeah, like it's 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 the nuclear resolution basically. <laughs> it's like going, this could be bad, let me hit let me hit this trigger. And that's and, what, I'll take and that's care exactly
1: of it. what both sides are feeling right now.
0: Absolutely. And and it's hard to like think that okay, you know, you know, I, from like our point of view, like as as like white people, we don't necessarily think about what black people are thinking about because how can we? Right. We're not black. It's hard to, like, think about, like, what your plight is, what the struggle has been. I mean, we get it when we hear it, we, but you know. we don't fully understand it because we haven't gone through that. There has to be some kind of dialogue so that people can understand why these things are happening. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with this show, Black and White, On a on a <laughs> it's an opportunity for people to deliver information from both sides of the story mm-hmm. as opposed to that one single agenda from one side or the other. Because right. we both have agendas. Yeah,
1: and the thing that works is that, you know, and the thing that I think that, that's going to make the show work is that, like, Sherrod and Christian have been friends for so many years. So, like, when you have a comfort level with someone like that, You know, you're not going to be able to, like you know, you're you're not afraid to be yourself and say exactly what you're thinking. Like, I want to put you in a box because I'm sick of looking at you rolling my eyes. Like, fine. Like, I'm not taking offense to that because we know each other so well. And this is, I think, a really good way for these guys to, like, maybe lead the charge on this conversation in a way that nobody else is really doing right now.
0: But being the first, you also have that ability to kind of like blaze the trail for other shows. Exactly. And like
1: they were saying in the interview, like, you know, when I said like, you know, no pressure, right? And they're like, there's literally no pressure because they don't know what to do with us because A&E this is their first comedy show. Yeah. You know, so it's like Yeah. And I think that's like going to be really, really interesting to see you know, how it happens. And it's an eight episode show Mm -hmm. that starts on July 27th, which is this coming Wednesday
0: this coming wednesday and it's you know one of the thing that they had said which i thought was really kind of funny when you asked him towards the end like what stereotypical things <laughs> happens and um what was it christian had said that he's <laughs> kind of jealous of the way Sharad could just like show up late to things i yeah. do it right i had that same that same epiphany where i was like how is this a thing? Cause. I used to work with this guy, Tamar, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I told you I was going to tell this story.
1: I know, yeah. I know, and I, I, I love <clears throat> Tamar's stories. Like, when you used to work with him, it was brilliant. Like, I, it was, like, this guy had so many stories.
0: Yeah, so Tamar, he basically was, you know, awesome, awesome guy. <laughs> I like, he and I got along so good. I don't know how we were from two completely different worlds, and I don't think... That is an exaggeration whatsoever. <laughs> we even spoke different languages, even though it was both English. <laughs> but seriously.
1: He, you, he taught you a lot. He really did teach you a,
3: a he, little bit. He taught
0: me. I could come into work late. <laughs> we used to have to be there 8.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. This guy tomorrow would roll in like 10.30 or 11. No joke. He would like come in and he'd be just like he would come into our office and he'd be like, Hello, Art Peoples. And then he would continue to talk about some strange story that would be the night before, like out of the club, or it might be something he read in the news. And you can never tell the difference between the two. (laughs) There was always a pit bull involved. Somebody was getting loose with it constantly. Oh, my
1: God, constantly. You (laughs) picked up the term, getting loose with it. So you said that constantly.
0: Anytime there was an easy chick, she was getting loose with it. I would say... Every time like you would be like, you know, you'd go joke around with your friends, you'd be like, hey bitch, hey slut, whatever. And I'd be like, yeah, you're getting loose with it. And then all of a sudden everybody would look at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but he he would come in at 11, he would have these outlandish stories about somebody getting bit by a dog, somebody who got hooked on a fence and their pants came off, <laughs> they had a rundown behind a dumpster. Like there was these- It was so unrelatable but so entertaining the way he said it that you're just like, I wanna hear these stories because I wanna hear like what happens to you when you leave here because it's so (laughs) things are so much different from me. And it was a very
1: straight and narrow place where you work. Like it was very buttoned and
0: Oh, I'll say you where it was. It was Pfizer. (laughs) So I mean, we're in like, you know, one of the top ten Fortune five hundred companies, and this guy would like I would would come in and I'd be like going Man, like, your life is so much different than mine when we leave here. And when I'm able to, like, translate what you're saying, (laughs) your stories are hysterical. But it's that fact that he was able to deliver stuff. Right. In a way that was kind of humorous, that would keep you, like, on the hook. That I feel like these guys are going to have the ability if they can keep, like, that humor level up, which I really think they'll be able to pull I think off. so,
1: definitely. Because, like, just, I mean, this conversation, like, if you just listen to it, like, yeah. it's just, like...
0: <laughs> well, they'll be... If, it was great. If you could hook somebody with humor, you can teach them.
1: Exactly, exactly. Because it's when you get out of your own head that you can learn, and that's what people need to do.
0: And hopefully with shows like this we're leaning more in that direction which is what we need to be doing absolutely why don't we get into a did you know okay did you know this week's did you know is about the a and network
1: i did not know that
0: you did <laughs>
1: <laughs> felt like the right thing to say
0: In its original format, the network had offered to show programming from abroad, particularly BBC Network productions from the United Kingdom. However, the broadcast of British programming on A&E has diminished greatly since it began incorporating more reality shows into its schedule. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Plus, now there's the BBC Network, which wasn't nearly as thriving in homes as it was when A&E Network came out. It's fine arts programming had also been completely removed from the channel's schedule. Thursday nights once featured an anthology series called a and Stage, which featured telecasts of notable plays, concerts, full length documentaries related to arts and complete operas.
1: I the didn't f- know
0: that. Yeah, they, but it wouldn't be commercial free. So imagine like watching an opera you're half asleep and, and then, then a commercial comes, like, comes an on and it's like oh I can, I can hurry up and go grab a drink really quick <laughs> <laughs> what is that we're opposed to a regular opera where you're just kind of screwed and have to wait till the end you're just like kind of like hostage till it's over yes. so <laughs> the final the final fine arts related show to air on the network was breakfast with the arts the show was canceled in July 2007
1: my goodness, that's quite a time. That's quite a long time ago.
0: Yes, it really hasn't been that much arts in On the arts, arts and Entertainment Change. Network. <laughs> Today, A E is mostly known for reality series such as The First Forty Eight, Storage Wars, and Duck Dynasty. Oh. Your dad loves he Duck sure Dynasty. Does. He loves it.
1: As does the entire Republican Party. Yes, they do. <laughs> they all
0: wear their camouflage to the events too, which is strange in a city. I
1: think what's his name? Like even what's his name was a speaker.
0: Who? What oh, what from a, the, the Duck guy, Dynasty yeah, guys? Guy. Like What's his name? It could whatever. be anyone. <laughs> the head duck guy. Daffy? Maybe. <laughs> or <fun>. Donald. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Um, let's see. Um, it also broadcasts a limited amount of scripted program, including original series Bates Motel, and the soon to be hit Black and White, featuring our new pals Christian and Christian Finnegan and Sherrod Small. Yes. Our new pals, our
1: new pals, our new besties.
0: Well, yours anyway. I don't <laughs> talk to nobody. I'm the, I'm the kid under the stairs when it comes to interviews lately.
1: Well, I'll be the girl in the box when we get our new studio. So,
0: <laughs> oh, it's in the it's in progress. We're building it.
1: As it's not very big. It's, 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 it's well,
0: <laughs> box box. <laughs> As of July 2015, the A&E network is available to approximately 95,968,000 paid television households, which is about eighty-two point eighty-two point four percent of households with televisions in the United States.
1: That's a lot.
0: It sure is, and that's not all. It is. It's also the end to this week's. Did you know? Did you know? This is quite a show, Tom. It was. And, you know, it's weird how it all kind of ties in when you have people who are willing to bring diverse subject matter to the forefront, such as...
1: (laughs) Don't
0: make fun of me. Such as Christian and Sherrod. Because, I mean... I feel like what they're doing is a really, really good thing. And it's kind of like what we want to do, but because we're two white people, we come across as racist <laughs> all the time.
1: <laughs> we're racist gentrifiers who, right. went, who went to the one movie theater in Harlem once in all the years we've been living here.
0: <laughs> I've been there twice, mind you. But th- the fact of the matter is, is like when you want to have you know, a comedic show to bring like hot topics to the foreground... It's not as easy with two white people when you want to talk about black subjects.
1: Right, yeah, cuz there's a wall, definitely.
0: There needs to be one because every time I try to bring those matters up, I get the eye roll because, you know. I think you get the I'm eye not roll allowed anyway. to. it's
1: just I'm an eye roller. It was it was written on almost every report card of my first like 8 years of schooling. So,
0: well, I do very much appreciate the guys coming and doing the interview for us this week. Awesome of them. Thank Absolutely. you so much. You
1: guys were fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to
0: us. I'm sorry I couldn't be a part of it. Like, I really wish I could have been. But I'm going to follow you both on social media and as you all should as well, because the links will be in the profile yes, of this week's show. And um Nikki, don't you have an announcement?
1: I do. I do, Tom. You know, what would you say, you know, your your biggest fear is? Like, what would you... What's, Like, what's one thing that you're, like, afraid of? Spiders. And I have snakes. Okay. Well, (laughs) our friends at Shark Party Media, um, who we work with a lot, asked us to promote this event called What Are You Afraid Of? Uh, which is coming up on Thursday, July 27th at 7.30 p.m. And it's hosted by Mara Wilson, who you might remember as the little girl in Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire well now she's a writer who just had her first book come out called where am I now which I think is a really funny title but she's hosting this event in Astoria, which is in Queens. And it's on Thursday, July 28th at 7.30 p.m. at QED, which is at 2716 23rd Avenue in Astoria. And it's hosted by Mara Wilson. And it also features uh, last week tonight, last week tonight's Josh Gondelman, um, the Chris Gethard Show and Comedy Central comic to watch Julio Torres and Moth Story Slam winner Kate Augustin. Wow. And they're going to talk about things that they're afraid of. Death, commitment, sock puppets. Who fucking likes
0: a sock puppet? I don't mind a sock puppet. Oh, sock puppets are awful. I really, really don't sock mind. A sock monkeys.
1: Puppet. Oh my god. My mom and I once went to this place that was like it was like a little shop it was like well it was like a big big shop and it was called Country Junction it was in Lehigh Pennsylvania and they had like all these things and like each section of the store had like a different like theme and stuff and we walked up this like rickety staircase and there was like stuff for little kids and there was a bucket of sock puppets and my mo- and I was like ugh, and I stopped and my mom and there was only like one way to go if I went behind I'd have to walk like all the way around the rest of the store or I could just go the way my mom went to like cut through to get to the escalator to go back downstairs my mom dumped that bucket of sock monkeys in my path like I was like you know like you do when somebody's chasing you or like you know on a tv show when somebody's chasing you and I had to pick them up because she refused to pick them up and I was like we're not going to leave like a barrel of sock monkeys that you dumped how rude was that
0: you're obviously not that afraid of them because if somebody dumped a barrel of spiders I'd be like oh somebody's gonna have to do that it ain't gonna be me
1: well if somebody dumped a barrel of snakes I would have jumped to my death that's what I would have done
0: if you'd like to hear about more of Nikki Fears, why don't you send us an email at <laughs> highregardshow at gmail.com?
1: And don't forget to send your to tell to uh, email us how many times Tom appears in the Scholastic video.
0: For a prize. Yeah, a prize. It could be something. And you can find out more about our show at highregardshow.com.
1: And you could, of course, be part of our conversation on social media, which is High Regard Show on every outlet.
0: Yes, especially Twitter, man. We're blowing up on Twitter. he's
1: blowing up on Twitter.
0: So please converse with us. We like to hear from you guys. Chat with us usually, not all the time. It depends on what you got to say. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. And you never know what, what mood we're going to be in. We might. Yeah. You might not want to hear from us either. <laughs> don't write to us about Woody Allen. Don't, don't write do to us it. about don't Giuliani. Do, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. Unless it's you are disdain for them. That is all, folks.
1: Have a great week. See you next week. We got a lot of big shows coming up for we you.
0: sure do. Good night, everybody.